the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to get involved. It is our final show leading up to Selection Sunday. A lot of bubble talk today. We're obviously back from Brooklyn, had yesterday off with the ACC tournament. There's no uh, music taking our playing airwaves. behind us. Yeah, and no game going on. That was fun, doing the show uh, on uh, on Wednesday courtside from the Barclays Center. Uh, but we are back now, and uh, a lot to discuss. We obviously are going to spend a good portion of today talking about the NCAA tournament, talking about the bubble, comparing SU's resume to other resumes. Let's briefly, though, Seth, start with the North Carolina game. Uh, we've yet to, to do a show since Wednesday night. Yesterday, we, we didn't have a show, and we were traveling back. North Carolina wins the game 78-59, and, and I don't think the, the outcome surprised either of us. We knew North Carolina was the better team going in. We've now seen Syracuse play six games this year against what I'll call elite opponents, right? Kansas, Virginia, Duke, North Carolina. You want to throw anybody else in that group? Or I mean, those, no, those are no. the elite teams they've played. Yeah, and, and look, on Sunday night, they're going to be top one and two seeds. Correct. Right? So like, Let's not... Kid ourselves. So they played six games. They played Carolina twice, and they played Virginia, Virginia twice. twice. So, so those four opponents make up the six games. In five of those, the only outlier was two weeks back when Syracuse played Carolina in the Dome. They were able to score and score well that night. But the other five games, Syracuse simply could not score. And it's a, it's a theme with this team that when they go up against really good teams, they get taken out of their offense. And... Tyus Battle and Frank Howard try to do too much. They have to do too much because they're they're unable to to get the other guys involved. And and we said going into the game on Wednesday night that if Tyus Battle is inefficient and or Frank Howard is inefficient, Syracuse is in a whole lot of trouble. Tyus Battle was four for twenty one. Frank Howard was four for eighteen. Howard had seven turnovers, and it seemed like every time he turned it over, Carolina turned it into points. I mean, at one point, uh, at one point, we were sitting next to each other and. You turned to me, and he had four turnovers in the game, and it led to nine points on the other end. So it was worse than them just going down and getting a layup every time. Uh, I mean, he had five turnovers, and I think it led to 12 points, uh, his first five turnovers of the game, and then I stopped tracking it. But, um, yeah, he was committing live ball turnovers. You dribble it out of bounds, you travel, you uh, commit an offensive foul, okay. Like, you can almost live with that turnover. It's a dead ball, you reset your defense you can't live with live ball turnovers, and we've seen it all year, and it continued on Wednesday. And I, I feel bad for Tyus Battle because you, you watch you know the game unfold, and Carolina was overplaying the wings, and Frank Howard was having a difficult time getting SU in, into, into its offense. And what ended up happening? Frank Howard would you know dribble for 15, 20 seconds, whatever it may be, and then somehow the ball ends up in Tyus Battle's hands with like four seconds on the shot clock, and, and it's kind of like it it's kind of like here, do something, and. Time and time again, it happened, and 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 you feel bad for him. But again, it's it's a trend with this team that when they play super athletic teams, and and I'm going to throw Virginia in that category. I mean, we saw them play up close and personal yesterday. I mean, Virginia is really really good, and and you know we 
We were hesitant to buy into Virginia early on in ACC play. They were winning games. We're like, well, how good are they? They don't have a star. Virginia They're looks really like good. the best team in the country. The best team. Now, they don't have the most talent. And, and I could, you know, I'll continue to argue that Duke has more talent. Virginia looks like the best team in the country. Did you see what Duke looked like last night? Duke is amazing. They looked incredible. Duke has the most talent. No doubt about it. Virginia plays as a team, though. And when Syracuse goes up against elite teams, and they've they've played four of them, Kansas, Carolina twice, Virginia twice, and Duke, they have trouble getting into their offense. And when they have trouble getting into their offense, it can be hard to watch. And there were times, especially during that first half, Seth, on Wednesday night, where it was... It was hard to watch. It was, you know, five seconds left on the shot clock. They panic. You know, either Howard or Battles forced to put up a desperation shot. And between the two of them, you know, they go eight for 39. You're not going to win too many games when your two best players go eight for 39. No, it, it was not enough. And and as you said, the offense, uh, I mean, just game in and game out. And, and to the very end, um, it just, it, it's stagnant. There's not a lot of movement. The ball doesn't move all that much. Uh, Pascal Chukwu is no threat. You know, if Merrick Dolajai isn't, you know, totally active. And then, uh, you know, he did enough. He, he was okay on, on Wednesday night, but not as good as he was on Tuesday well, night. And you mentioned you know, Chukwu. It's hard to be uh, effective when you're not on the floor. And he only played right. 15 minutes because of right. those fouls. And a couple of them were questionable ticky tack yeah. touch files and and again that took Syracuse you know certainly out of its game as well but, but that's not why they lost no, the game but, but what I was going to say though whether it's Chukwu or Sidibe um, and I know we talked about this a lot off the air but you go to them and you look to them and they come and set a screen for you and they're not even remotely a threat going to the basket so your tie is battle, and you have a screen set for you, and the big man comes up hard and double teams you, and then you can't do anything. And you also aren't passing to the guy in the middle because Chukwu's probably going to drop the pass and turn it over, uh, and you don't have confidence that he's going to go and make a move to the basket. And, oh, maybe you can't get it over the seven-footer who went on the hard double team on you because they know that guy's no threat. I mean, the fact that those role men all season long haven't been any kind of offensive threat, haven't shown that they can cleanly catch a ball and go up for a dunk or a layup, has really hurt this offense. And it really hurt Tyus Battle and Frank Howard last night because they just didn't have space to do anything. And, you know, you can't drive when you've got a double team right in your face and one of those guys is seven feet tall. You can't shoot over that double team either. Like, that's... That made it really, really difficult for that offense to do anything yesterday, uh, and that, the other day. And that leads to, again, four or five seconds left. They panic. They throw up a bad shot. You mentioned the pick and roll. It's hard to give it to the big guy, and and you know I I know we can question you know Pascal Chuku's hands, but even if he you know catches every pass that's thrown to him, what exactly is a seven foot two center going to do with the ball at the free throw line? Because that means he's got to put the ball on the floor. So you know for that to be effective, he's got to get deeper than that, and that's that's a tough play when you're facing a double team and you have to throw a pass you know seventeen to twenty feet to get him the ball underneath the basket. I mean that's. That's a lot to ask, um, and again, Chuku's got to be quick getting down there. So it's it. I don't want to say you're you're setting them up for failure, but in a way, you're setting you them up for failure. You are, and and remember when Syracuse won a couple games in a row when they played Miami, when they played Louisville, what was more, uh, what was more effective, having Chuku come and set screens or having Dolajai or O'Shea Brissett come and set screens, and like. We saw the difference that it could make in the offense having one of your two wing slash forward players setting setting the screen for you. 
they're way more dynamic offensive players. We know O'Shea is, and, and look, say what you want about Merrick, and, and he's either aggressive or he's not, and sometimes he shows up and sometimes he doesn't, but he's a much better, much bigger offensive threat than Shuku or, Dola, or, or Sidibe at this point, right? I, I mean, I don't think anybody would uh, would deny that. Yeah, Merrick was the the X factor, obviously, in the game against Wake Forest. Now, I thought he was fine on Wednesday night. Like he was kind of what he is: six points, five boards. Yeah, again, you know, an That's energy kind of guy he is, had an early basket. He is, and and some of his game, let's be honest, is predicated on you know the guards beating their guy off the dribble, and then you know Merrick is in the right place at the right time more often than not, and and he's able to make plays. And again, let's be honest, it's easier for Tyus and Frank to to beat a Wake Forest defender off the dribble than when you're going up against an elite team or an elite defense. And I know North Carolina is not known for its defense. Carolina had that game scouted very well and had SU's offense scouted very well. They had just seen it two weeks prior. And they overplayed the wings, and Syracuse did not react well to it. And as a result, they had trouble getting into their offense, and it just seemed like possession after possession. It was deep in the shot clock, and it was, you know, here, got, do something with it, many, make a play. And it's it's hard to do that, especially after playing 40 minutes the night before, to just give the ball to Tyus 25 feet from the basket and say, you've got four seconds, go, make something happen. How many shot clock violations did they, handful. Did they commit? They Seven? A handful. Seven? Something Eight? like that. Uh, you know, the, the, the one that, that was really amazing is you're down 17 points with two minutes to go and you get called for a shot clock violation. Like, what are you doing at that point in the game that you can't, like, that that you're struggling to get a shot off? You're down 17 with two minutes to go. Like, what what is going on there? I, that's the one that baffles me. And, and at that point, somebody from uh, North Carolina tweeted, it's like Syracuse plays offense to try not to score. Because, like, the one thing you had to do when you're down double digits with two minutes left is score, and you managed to take 30 seconds off score the clock quickly. and not score. It was unbelievable, yeah. When Syracuse plays well, it can play with any team in the country, and, and, and we've seen that. And when Syracuse doesn't play well, especially on the offensive end, it can be hard to watch. And there were times uh, on Wednesday night where it was hard to watch. But in any event, it's it's win one, lose one, which is about what we expected. Um, you and I both said going down there, we felt like Syracuse probably had to beat North Carolina to get in, certainly to feel good about their chances going into Selection Sunday. I'm not sure you feel good heading into the weekend. There is a chance, though. I mean, they are, it feels like, squarely on the bubble. And so we're going to take some time today and compare SU's resume to other teams that are on the bubble. Um, you know, we can go by who Joe Lenardi has. He's not necessarily the most accurate. He's one of the most well-known uh, because he works for ESPN. We can talk about Lenardi's last four in, first four out. Syracuse actually is back into his first four out. They were they were further away from that uh, going into last night. Uh, but they did get some positive results yesterday. Louisville lost. Notre Dame lost. I think both those things are good. Texas and Baylor lost in the Big 12 tournament. Marquette went down. Uh, those things help. Uh, the negative side of things, Providence won. I think the Friars are probably in uh, now and, and probably safely in. Uh, and Alabama won at the buzzer on an unbelievable play by Colin Sexton, who who just went coast to coast in, in, in 4.4 seconds. I think Alabama's in. Um, 
the one team that I think you really got to keep your eye on from a positive perspective for Syracuse, and we've said this the last couple of days, is Buffalo. Buffalo's in the semifinals of the MAC. If Buffalo wins the MAC conference tournament and they are the one seed, there is a very good chance. In all likelihood, Buffalo will be a top 30 RPI team. They're 32nd right now. They briefly moved up into the top 30 yesterday and then kind of fell back as the other results played themselves out. If Buffalo wins that tournament and moves into the top 30, Again, it's another quadrant one win for Syracuse, and that would give them four. And that's that's the one thing that really seems to be lacking on SU's resume is a lot of the bubble teams have four, and Syracuse right now has three. Beat Clemson, Miami, and Louisville. Those are the three. Buffalo would add a fourth, and that, that fourth could come in handy uh, on Selection Sunday. Yeah, but you know what? On the, on the same end, Maryland just dropped out of uh, out of – you know, quadrant two. So now they're down to quadrant three. Um, I think that what you're going to see, and and I'm curious, um, I'm as curious as anybody to see how the committee actually handles this. Um, Are they going to lump quadrants one and two together of sorts and say, hey, those are quality wins, and then everything outside of that is is not? Um, Because if that's the case, you know, Syracuse has five compared to Oklahoma's nine, compared to Oklahoma State's nine, compared to... You know, Louisville. Uh, you know, Louisville's also got five. Bama's got ten. You know how how do they actually decide? I, I tell to, you what. You know what I mean? Like how do they actually decide question. to break it down? It's a good question. I'll tell you this. Just as I was preparing for the show today, the quadrant that that means the least to me is number two. Is quadrant two? And, and the reason I say that is I look at quadrant one. Did you beat good teams? And did you have any bad losses? And, and you know, did you take care of the teams you were supposed to take care of? Which is quadrants three and four. Did you beat really good teams? You know. Did you get opportunities? Number one, Syracuse had plenty of opportunities. Did you take advantage of any of those? Syracuse was three and eight in quadrant one. Right. So to me, and again, you're right. Every committee is going to be different, and, and what they place emphasis on, it'll be interesting to see because it's the first year they've done this. You know how how it plays itself out. For me, the most important is quadrant one. I look at three and four. Did you lose any of those games? Right. To me, quadrant two was the least important. So the fact yeah, you no, said Maryland I'm, falls I'm out of quadrant with you two. There. I, you know, to me, that's not a huge deal. I think Buffalo moving into Quadrant One, in my opinion, would be a much bigger deal for Syracuse. It would, yeah, it would be on paper. Um, I mean, how much does beating Buffalo matter? I, I don't know. I, I really, I well, don't know. And, and so let's take a time out here and let's go through the resumes because you say, you know, how much does it matter if you beat Buffalo? Let's look at, you know, Middle Tennessee State, for instance. How that much would does be it their matter? Best win. You know, they're they're three they're three quality wins. They've got three in Quadrant One. They, I mean, their schedule is garbage, and their best wins are Murray. State, Western Kentucky, and Old Dominion because they beat them all on the road. So we'll get more into that. Let's take our first time out. Full lines are open. 315-437-7644. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We're back on Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you. We are powered by Drivers Village. Phone lines are open at 315-437-7644. All right, let's compare resumes. And we brought in our producer, Max Burgandy, for this. So let's lay out SU's resume as it stands right now. And then, Max, I want you to, to throw some bubble teams at us, and we'll compare the resumes, and we'll decide if we like you know Team X uh, over Syracuse or if Syracuse gets in over that team. So... Let's lay out SU's resume at last check, and I know we all, you know, have pretty much the same numbers. If there's something that I that I have that you have a different number, Max, let me know. But I've got SU's RPI at 41 yep. right now. Strength of schedule is 15. 
the non-conference strength of schedule, which this is a lot different this year than in past years, non-conference strength of schedule for Syracuse is at 17, so that's going to help the Orange. Uh, three and eight in quadrant one, the three wins, Clemson at Miami at Louisville. And then uh, they're 15-2 and two against Quadrants 3 and 4, can the two I, losses, of course, at Wake at Georgia Tech. Can I ask my stupid strength of schedule question on the air here? What does it tell you that they have the 17th-ranked non-conference strength of schedule or the 15th-ranked uh, normal strength of schedule when, when they lost all the games against the best teams they played? Like, what's it tell you about Syracuse that they played good teams? It's like, thanks for trying. Right. Like to me that tells me not like I don't I'm like I'm I'm just genuinely asking I don't understand why strength of schedule is on a team sheet. Well, again, it doesn't make and sense we talked about me. this briefly before the show. I know it really bothers you. It I, does. I think there is a place for it. Do I think it's the most important thing? Absolutely not. But what, can we just start with Middle Tennessee State because I keep kind of going back to them. Yeah. Okay. So Middle Tennessee State, their strength of schedule is is 87th. Okay. So when you're talking about a, the 15th. Strength of schedule in the country versus eighty-seven. That is a big difference. But there's now, there nothing they major... can do about that playing in Conference USA. They well, had the eighth-ranked non-conference strength of schedule. Right. They scheduled out of conference, and you know what, Seth? They lost those games. They played yeah. Auburn, USC, and Miami. So, and and they have the eighty-seventh strength of schedule with those games in there. Now, I know the strength of schedule out of conference is eight, but can you imagine what their overall strength of schedule would be if they didn't schedule those games? Right. So They played nobody because they're in Conference USA. But you just said there's nothing they could do about it. They did do something about it. They just lost those games. So at some point, you have to win games. Right. So I think there is... But that shows up... But to me, like that shows up elsewhere on your resume. Winning those games wouldn't have made your strength of schedule any better. Your strength of schedule is what it is. Right. So it, it shows that, that they, they, tried they, tried. To, they tried to schedule better teams... And and they lost those games. Yeah, it's not like they're trying to protect themselves and going running and hiding, playing lesser so, opponents. Let me they're, ask you this. But my, but my me, point on, being on, is on, that on. when you list the teams like in quadrant one, oh, hang who'd on. they play? Hang you on. would still see that. So Syracuse is twenty and thirteen. Yes. Okay. I would say not all twenty and thirteen records are created equally. I agree with you. And if you. you go back, you know, a handful of years with Syracuse basketball, they scheduled very lightly outside of the conference. So if you have let's say the you know, strength of schedule that's ranked like 200th, like non-conference strength of schedule. You played nobody, and you just you started, you know, 12 and one because you played no one. Yes, and you got to 20 wins. That is not the same as this year. L- listen, I, Steve, say what I you will about you. their schedule, but they, I mean, they played pretty good non-conference teams. Steve, I agree with you, and what I'm saying is that still shows up elsewhere on your resume. Syracuse's 20 wins, 15 of them are against quadrant three or four. You want to take Oklahoma's eighteen and three and thirteen? That's fine. You could say maybe they're not as good. I'm not saying you are, but nine of their eighteen are against uh, quadrant three and four. I mean, that's a significant difference. So to me, like strength of schedule stuff shows up elsewhere. That, I guess that's my point. Like it shows up somewhere else, and to me, it doesn't tell you anything about the team. Like, oh, they scheduled well. So you're saying like St. Mary's, for instance, their strength of schedule is 168. You look at quadrants three and four; they played 26 games in exactly. quadrants three and four. Exactly. So it's just it's reinforcing it, right? Okay. I, like Nebraska's strength of want, schedule is terrible. They won 20 of their 22 games against quadrants three and four. I could tell their schedule is terrible. But you accept the fact that that matters? Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I thought you were no, you but were upset no, with no, 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 no. Why, why do we just, care about what no, what schedule I'm, a team? I'm plays? just saying that like telling me they played good teams doesn't actually tell me anything about their team. Like telling me strength of record, like the 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 one that we used for US UCF in the football season, that tells me a lot more than strength of schedule. 
oh, here's how tough your schedule Fair was, enough. and you won these games. I, I thought you didn't think it, that, that strength of schedule was important. because no. it, Because it is, to a certain extent. Right. It, it is important. It, 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 does, it does matter who you play. So... Max, go ahead. I didn't mean to, to go Sorry, lengthy, you know, with a lengthy answer. I, I had to respond to Seth, though. That's fine. That's fine. So you want to start with Middle Tennessee State, then? Yeah. Against Syracuse. Yeah. So I have Middle Tennessee State's RPI at 28. Uh, their strength of schedule is 87, 87 is, what I have. is what you have. And uh, three Quadrant 1 wins, and then they've got 18 wins against Quadrant 3 and 4, 2 and 1 in Quadrant. Okay, and so this is where we go back to you know Seth's argument from the last couple of weeks, where he says not all quadrant one wins are created equally, right? Yes. Question mark. And the answer is Seth, you are absolutely right. And you delve deeper into Middle Tennessee State's resume, and on paper it looks good. Strength of schedule outside the conference is eight. RPI is twenty eight. They've got twenty three wins. Is it kind of bad though that they don't have a win against a top fifty rated yes, RPI team? Yes, and that's and that's where I'm going with this is that you look at their quadrant one wins. They're all against teams outside the top fifty RPI because they came on the road, and that it'll be interesting to see how people look at this quadrant system at Murray State, at Western Kentucky, at Old Dominion. Old Dominion, by the way, it's is hovering right around seventy five. Yeah. So if if they fall out of that, then they're going to have two quadrant wins. But that is, this, that is not the same as beating Miami, Louisville, and, and Clemson. Doesn't this explain my, my strength of schedule thing, by the way? Like, oh, they played those tough teams. They didn't beat any of them. Okay, so their strength of schedule looks fantastic. They've got three quadrant one wins. Right now, they've really only got two. Old Dominion's at 76, so they're bumped. I would say so, this. I would say this. If they did not play those games, they would have, they no, would chance. have no chance. Right. They played them and lost them, so they do have a chance. And part of the reason that they have a chance is that all of those games were close. Right. If so you look Ken, deeper, they so were like Ken four Palm or five points. So their Ken Palm number looks right. like phenomenal. So I think you're proving my point for me, which is if they didn't play those games, they wouldn't have a good strength of schedule, and they would have they would have no chance. The fact that they played those games and lost, I them, think they're out anyway. Now you're considering Middle Tennessee State is you know all right. Well, can they win a game in the tournament against a good team? They played three really tough teams close, and again they're. Their resume looks good. I don't know how good Middle Tennessee State is overall, but again, their resume looks good. I'll go to the back. I'll go to the back half of their resume. Eighteen of their twenty-three wins. On top of the fact that they've only got two wins against the top seventy-five on the road, you know, in, in that quadrant one, eighteen of their twenty-three wins came against quadrant three or four. And oh, by the way, they were not flawless in that quadrant three and four. They had two quadrant three losses and one quadrant four loss. I, I don't I don't think I can put them in. Lost to Marshall twice and then of course lost in the quarterfinals of their conference tournament to Southern Miss. And to me that's inexcusable. Like if you're in a mid major, you gotta take care of business come tournament time. Totally you know agree. how it works, right? Yep. You, you know, they can complain all they want, oh it's one and done and we won the regular season and listen, this is how it works. Right. And you that is inexcusable to me. If so you're, if you're a mid major like it it's not a bed that you made, but like you're you're in it, right? Like you're you're in a situation that like you can't necessarily help yourself get out of, but you have to know the situation. And they lost their conference tournament, and I don't think they're an at-large team. All right, so Syracuse or Middle Tennessee State? I'm taking SU. I'm putting SU in over them as well. Next yeah. team, Max. Uh, Oklahoma kind of intrigues me because they've been sliding as late. Uh, had a lot of really nice wins early on in the season. They have six Quadrant One wins. Um, their RPI currently sits at 44. So they're eighteen and thirteen, though two less wins than Syracuse. I don't think then, this is a question for me. I'm taking I'm taking Oklahoma. 
Um, I, I know that it's mean, going to be controversial. Their, their wins are really good. Their wins are really good, and the committee for the last couple of years has said, we don't do last 10, we don't do last month, we don't pay attention to that. It is the whole body of work. And they've got six Quadrant 1 wins, including some really, really good wins. Five. And, they've only, and they've only got one loss that you can even remotely say is bad. Five and of their Quadrant 1 wins are against teams top 25 in the right. RPI. Yeah, so let's go over their wins real quick. Which of these wins, or any of these wins, I guess, worse than Syracuse's best win? Kansas is certainly better than, than SU's best win. Wichita State at Wichita State, certainly better than SU's best win. I would say USC at a neutral site probably better than any of SU's so. wins. So you've got three right there. The other ones are Texas Tech and at TCU. home, TCU at home, TCU on the road. Do we like any of those better than, than Clemson? I like TCU on the road. Yeah, TCU on the road. So you can make the case that four of Oklahoma's wins are better than, than Syracuse's, Syracuse's best, best win. win. They've got six in quadrant one. I say they're in as well. Four and 11 since the middle of January. And I, I know, you know, you but make again, a good point. You make a good point. Okay. That the committee does not look at, well, at least they're not supposed to put any right. extra emphasis on the last 10. It's your resume as a whole. So I will give you Oklahoma here over Syracuse. Let's go to Arizona State. And I know you love Arizona State sets, so we need to talk about Arizona State. Okay? So do you have Arizona State's yeah, numbers, Max? I do right now, yeah. Their okay. RPI is 62, according to ESPN. Their strength of schedule is 71. Non-conference strength of schedule is 104. Uh, there's three Quadrant 1 wins, which came against... Let's see. Kansas, Kansas Xavier, Xavier, and, and then at Utah. At Utah, yes. Um, it is kind of, it's, that's a tough call. This is the part about Arizona State that bugs me, and Seth, you and I could debate this because I know you feel the other way. Since January 1st, so we're not talking about last 10, okay? We're not talking about, oh, they stumbled a little bit down the stretch. January 1st is essentially the, the entire season. conference season, okay? Since January 1st, they are 7-12. and 12. You're telling me a, that's a tournament a, team? In a bad they, yeah, they finished eight, they finished eight and league. ten and twelve. They started. It was a fantastic start to the season. They beat Xavier in Kansas. Great. They are seven and twelve. I'm going to say it a third time, Seth. <laughs> How is that an NCAA tournament team over Syracuse? I don't know. They're pro- and they're probably but you said, not. You said to me it was a no-brainer. I'm they, just looking at their numbers. I th- I think that they're a team that's in. When you look at their resume, and I know they started twelve and zero, but I. When you look at their resume, I th- I think they're in. Like I I, th- I really think they are. They've only got one bad quote unquote loss. I think Xavier's a better win than what Syracuse has. I think uh, on the road at Kansas is better than what Syracuse has. Like I, I I think that Arizona State's probably in. And I know that they've struggled and and they've played poorly in a in a mediocre to bad conference. But I, I don't know. I think that they're probably in the tournament. I I would I would be shocked if not, they picked Arizona State well, over Syracuse. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm see, here's the thing about SU and Selection Sunday. I will not be shocked either way. I will not be shocked if they're going to Dayton. I will not be shocked if they're left out. I will be shocked if they're not going to Dayton and they're they're in the NCAA tournament. They're, in my opinion, either last four in and they you know, yeah. they get that opportunity to to play their way into the field of sixty four or they're going to the NIT. So I, I'm not going to be shocked either way. I'd be shocked if they way. don't get a playing game, like you said. And so, I, like, it, it wouldn't be a travesty if Arizona State gets in over SU. Like, I understand the argument for Arizona State, and Seth made the argument. Kansas and Xavier. Okay, I can't argue with that. But I keep coming back to seven and twelve since January first. Like to me, well, that is not an 10. NCAA tournament team. It's eight and ten, not seven and twelve. Go back to January first. Yeah, two games J- before the conference. They start. haven't. 
they didn't play between January 1st and 4th. So starting January 4th. It's still bad. 8 and 10. It's eight and terrible. 10 still bad. Oh, it's terrible. And that conference is bad. It's not good. It's um, not good at all. I'm not going back and counting right now. because I'm I, not going to try and I defend this, it. I did they, this quickly before the show started. They were 8-11, and 11, including their conference Either tournament way, game. It's, it's bad. terrible. 8-11, ter- okay. It's not good. Fine. It's not good at all. But, I, you know, I look, uh, look at the quote-unquote whole body of work, and they're 20-11, and 11, and they they don't have any awful, awful, awful losses, and, and they've got one bad loss in Quadrant 3. Um, and they've got good win. They've got a couple of good wins, and I, I don't like. I don't know what to do with them. Like they seem like a team that's perfect for Dayton, right? They've got some good wins. They don't really have the bad losses. They haven't played great as of late. Although you're not supposed to really look at that. Um, I, I don't know. They seem like a team destined to go to Dayton. Seth, I, I count twelve losses since January first. Maybe I counted wrong. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, and twelve since January first. I know how to count. That's bad. That is really bad in that conference, especially. Anyway, let's take our first time. Whatever. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We're back after this on Orange Nation. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth, back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. Every once in a while, I am wrong. I have to admit, I, for whatever reason, last year's schedule came up, okay? And, Arizona and, State was on. terrible Arizona last year. Arizona State had 12 losses in conference and beyond. This year, it's 11, not 12. So I'm sorry. I happen to be was, looking at the wrong schedule. But the point remains, they have lost 11 games yes. since the conference schedule started. And, oh, by the way, their best win was December 10th. They beat Kansas on December 10th. Xavier was before then. They have not had a good win since December 10th. You're right. I'm not disagreeing with you. But when, when you give me a piece of paper like this that has RPI, strength of schedules, road record and wins in quadrants they look like a tournament team and like isn't that what you're gonna have like uh isn't that what the tournament selection well, committee you gets? say that they, they have 20 wins so does syracuse their rpi is 62 su's is 41 they have three quadrant one wins syracuse, syracuse has, has three. three quadrant one wins so you say when you look at paper arizona state is definitely in over syracuse i'm not sure that's the case they don't have the quadrant three losses and again the thing that we they don't won. have on, they have, they have right? one and syracuse and the, has two bad losses and the thing that we don't have on our sheet that that the committee will i'm looking at at the ncaa team sheet right now is they have who the teams are that you beat and lose to you know and and i think that'll make a difference so and I know and I I know that technically you're right that it's not supposed to matter when you play a certain team or how hot you are like I get all that but just as you say like SU has to win enough games away from the dome for them not to look deeper and say like well you know who did they beat away from the dome and SU's got six of those now right. and I think that they're, they're fine in that category they don't care they you're, don't care that it's Wake Forest you're telling me that as bad as Arizona State has been since the the calendar flipped to 2018 you're telling me that doesn't matter at all. I mean, I, it, in theory, it shouldn't. I mean, see, it's I going, disagree. I think in I mean, theory, it, it in should. theory, it should. But like, by if you go by their rules and what they say, it, well, it is not going to matter. And again, looking at the team sheet, I have Virginia's literally right in front of me, and I've got all three hundred fifty uh, right here to scroll through. That there is no mention of date. There is no mention of of conference record. 
I mean, you would have no idea. You know what I mean? Like you, and you would have no Ex- idea were- when these games take place unless you're sitting there and you say, "I know Arizona State has well, been terrible for the last two months." That is my point: is Which that is they're the not pulling element. people off the street saying, "Here, look said- at these numbers. Who would you pick?" These are people that follow college basketball. Obviously, yes. they're athletic directors. They they know that Arizona State has been struggling miserably since the start of conference well, play. You just said Oklahoma gets in, and now you're saying Arizona State doesn't for the same reason. Oklahoma's been sliding too. You no, said no, no. they're in. No, right. I give they then, ha- they haven't been sliding as badly. Okay, at number one, well, uh, it's, it's, similar. it's similar. However, they've got six wins in quadrant one. Arizona State has three, That's and true. Arizona State hasn't beaten anyone good since December 10th. Oklahoma, by and large, their their wins have come in conference against really good teams. That that's why just playing a better conference too. Yeah, you yeah, can say that. Can, but Pac-12 isn't good. Arizona State could have beaten Arizona. Sure. Yeah. And they didn't. They could they have, have not lost to Colorado the other night. They could have not lost to Oregon State. Right. Which was 128 in the RPI. So, I don't know. It's It can go either way. Well, absolutely it could go either way. But this whole thing is, who would you pick? Syracuse or Arizona State? And yeah, Both of them would, are in the first four out. I would give Oklahoma the nod over SU. I would give. I would definitely give Oklahoma the nod. I'm reluctant to give Arizona State the Me nod too. over SU. Me too, because I'm a I'm a human. I'm a person. I know that they've been struggling since you know December 30th. Yep. and they've lost 11 games since conference play started. I, my I don't know that, gut says I would give SU the edge. I don't know necessarily that I. I think the committee will end up giving Arizona State the Probably. edge. I guess that's what I'm saying more. I think I think that Arizona State will end up getting the edge over Syracuse because the wins are better, because they've got uh, one less quadrant loss, because they've got the same uh, number of wins. Like I think Arizona State gets the benefit of the doubt. You're probably right. I just don't think that's the way it should go. No, and that, and that's I'm fair. With Steve I, on I don't this even one, yeah. I don't even necessarily think that's the way it should go either. I think that Arizona State will get the nod. All right, we have to take a timeout here. We've got back to back interviews coming up. We've got Patrick Beeline at twelve forty five, and then we've got Danny Shays off the top of the hour. Uh, we have to get back to this though, and we have to discuss Syracuse and Louisville because I've seen a lot of projections that have Louisville. Among the last four teams in and Syracuse among the first four teams out. And when I put Syracuse's resume next to Louisville's, I just I don't get how the cards get the edge and get the nod over Syracuse. It is but we like can discuss identical. That. It's identical. The only thing it's Louisville really doesn't not. the only thing Louisville doesn't have is quadrant three losses. No, it's really not that identical. Real quick. It's, real quick. And we'll get back into this. Syracuse it's has close. four wins better than Louisville's best wins. Louisville's and they only best have wins. three quadrant one wins. Louisville's best wins. They beat Florida State twice and Virginia Tech twice. Right. And and Syracuse beat Clemson, Miami, Louisville. Oh, yeah. And they beat Virginia Tech as well, but it was, you know, and they, that's down the list because it was at beat, home. And they beat Buffalo, who has a far better, who has a better RPI than either Florida and State. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Phone lines open the rest of the way 315 437 7644. We said at the time, Seth, when Syracuse let that one slip away against Notre Dame that. This one might come back to bite him on Selection Sunday. Man, how things would be different if SU had won that game. Right? They would have been 9-9 in conference. Notre Dame wouldn't even be a thing. Notre Dame would have one quadrant one win. Um, They've got two right now because they won inside the Carrier Dome. Notre Dame wouldn't even be considered. And they'd have head-to-head wins over you know Louisville and Notre Dame, which they're the other bubble teams out of the ACC. Syracuse would have 21 wins. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, you win that game though, and they should have won that game. 
it's it's a different story, and we're not even talking about this, uh, you know, on the Friday before Selection Sunday. Yeah, I'm not sure how much Notre Dame is really going to be considered anyway. Uh, you know, you look at their resume, and, and there are a lot of question marks. Their two two of their wor- three worst losses of the year uh, came with Bonzi Colson anyway, including one of them on a home court and one of them on on, an, on a neutral court. Um, you know, yeah, their best win came with Bonzi, but the, those two losses aren't good. Uh, losing at home to Ball State and at, and on a neutral floor against Indiana, so I, I don't know how much they're going to be considered. I think they had to win last night to really, I think so to too. really jump into the conversation. I, I think so too. I was surprised that as of eleven o'clock last night, Joel Lenardi had Notre Dame among his first four out, and Syracuse was in the next category, the next four out. He had yeah. Notre Dame higher than Syracuse. I, I think, think that flipped this morning, by yeah, the way. It, it did. Um, I think Notre Dame had to win last night as well. Now, Mike Bray's response is, well, we've played 20 games healthy, and we're 14-6, and six, and we beat Wichita State. That, that's great, but um, I don't think you can totally throw out what you did without Bonzi Colson, and that was, uh, that was what, 7-9, and 6-9? Um, I don't think you could totally throw that out, and I don't think they did enough with him back to warrant a spot, right? Like if they had won today, if they had won yesterday, if they had gotten to the to Saturday, if they had gotten to today, like I think that might have been enough. But um, I, think I don't Duke think they ticket. did enough. I think Duke probably would have gotten them in. I, I just I don't think they did enough to prove that they belong. It would have been twenty wins, and it would have been see when we're healthy, we can exactly. beat a number one seed or a number two seed, whatever exactly. Duke ends up being. Um, but they didn't win, and it Are wasn't even really Duke's competitive. A one. Duke's a one. I think Duke's not if they lose tonight. If, if Carolina, Carolina might, Carolina might jump, jump them, them yeah. if they win tonight. If Carolina wins this whole thing, they might jump them. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think you I can don't say think they right. Are. I think Virginia's going to win it anyway. But no, yeah. I, I do too. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think you could say definitively that Duke is a one right now. There's there's two games left. Uh, you That's know, fair. For, for you know either Duke or Carolina down or there. Virginia. Well, Virginia's already a one. Virginia's going to be a one. Yeah. But Duke or Carolina, one of them is going to play two more games. Um, you know, They're going to meet each other tonight, and then somebody's playing tomorrow for the title. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure that's locked yeah, that, up quite that yet. That's six-seeded Tar Heels. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what? We said going down there, right, that it was, a, it was a blessing and a curse. It was an opportunity for Syracuse to, you know, stamp its ticket to the NCAA tournament. But at the same time, you know, you had to play North Carolina, and it, it obviously uh, did not go well. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Scooter in Jamesville wants to talk some basketball on Orange Nation. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys. Uh, Danny, Danny hit it though right on, you know, because personally I agree with you guys. I think the last 10 or 12 should mean something, especially if you have a coach that doesn't want to peak in November and December, especially a young team, and brings them along fast. But just remember a couple of years ago when Syracuse was kind of limping down the stretch and lost three games to Pittsburgh, and everybody thought maybe they weren't going to get in because of the last 12 games, and they kept tarping on the Texas A&M game in the Bahamas in a, in a ballroom in November. So that got Syracuse in for uh, well, well, so you got to take your cake and eat it too. Well, that, let's, you know, let's focus on what really got them in that year. They didn't okay. have they didn't have Jim Beheim on the sidelines for their three worst losses. That could be too. And That's it, really it, what it, got them. But but but, but the bottom line, I kept hearing about Texas A&M win. You know what? And it's too, it's funny so. you bring that up, Scooter, because I remember I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, that was a factor. I felt uneasy about saying that back then too because it's it's so long ago. Arizona State, their last win December 10th. It's like everybody's yeah. a different team by now. I mean, that was a lifetime ago. 
And yeah. I just I have a hard time, you know, pointing to that saying this is the reason we should get in because we won a game on December tenth or you know, in SU's case from a couple years back you know, a couple years back, like you said, you know, yeah, we you know, beat UConn and Texas AM on a neutral site when everyone was just starting their season. I have a hard time as you know, if that's what you're pointing to and th- you know, that's what you're holding your you know, hanging your hat on, I, I have a hard time accepting that. I, I think Syracuse is in that the games you're going to have to watch. In fact, it almost happened last uh, yesterday. It's Nevada and San Diego State, 9 p.m. San Diego State's beat Nevada twice. But Nevada's getting in no matter what. And the other the other games you got to watch, I think, is the Rhode Island St. Bonaventure. Hopefully, one of them wins because I because I think both of them might be in the tournament. St. Bonaventure might be out, but Rhode Island's been in the top 20. And uh, Seth, I know you talk about the mid majors. And let me uh, let me say one thing about the mid majors, okay? Yeah. Uh, Lyle, the the test case would have been Loyola Chicago if yep. they if they lost their tournament because NC State kind of knew that Loyola Chicago was going to be good this year. They actually paid them not to play. They actually bought out their game they're supposed to play in Chicago. So so what happens when these mid majors start getting good and these coaches start getting the feel of hey man, we you know especially we're going to go on the road and give the mid major a chance at their home court, and you know they. They kind of know what's going on too, and you know they don't want to play a mid major and they start getting good. Right. And also, also one like for example Gonzaga, they might play San Francisco, who might be the 155 RPI. But on that day when they play on the road, San Francisco, they don't get the 155 RPI. Just like when Syracuse played Clemson in football, Clemson didn't get the 85 best football team in the country because you know everybody's pumped. It's the, it's it's a storm the court game, and so sometimes it's mid majors when you're the best team in the in the league. They have to be perfect almost every every game. Sometimes when they go on the road, yeah. No, I I totally understand that, uh, and and that's why it's hard to penalize them too much for the conference they play in. But I I do also think that there's something to it where a lot of these conferences outside of you know the the big we'll say six right we'll say big six to include the Big East it's seven if you want to include the AAC because that's not a one bit. No, league. thank you. But okay, so, I don't want to include the AAC. So the, so the top six leagues for the most part. Are one bid leagues, right? Conference USA might get to, might get to the American probably gets two, three, or four every year now that they have Wichita State. Uh, but outside of that, like I think you're looking the at A-10. one bid leagues. The A10 maybe, but but even that, that's like year to year, isn't it? Like oh maybe Bonaventure and Rhode Island are both good this year. Oh maybe like there's somebody in it, somebody else that's really good this year. But for the most part, you know maybe Dayton's good. Like but for the most part, they're a one bid league and and. Let's be realistic. When you're looking at the five power conferences and you're looking at the ACC that's going to get eight or nine every year, right? Let's say eight. The SEC this year is going to get seven seven teams, so 15. The Big 12 is going to get eight. That's 23. Okay, and then uh, the, the, uh, the Pac-12 is going to get probably four. Okay, that's 27. Take out the five uh, automatic qualifiers. That's 23 teams. There are only 39 at-large bids. Like, where do you want these to go? You know, so I think that, and then, and then you have to put in the Big East teams, and they're going to get five. Okay, you're up to 28. And then the AAC, okay, they're going to get four. Okay, you're up to, you know, 32. Okay, where are those last seven bids coming from? Is it going to be St. Bonaventure? Is it going to be, you know, is Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State more worthy than that other team, that next team in the ACC? And that's what the question comes down to. Yeah, is St. Mary's going to get an at-large bid? St. Right. Mary's twenty-eight and five, but they have really one good win. They won at Gonzaga, 
And as we joked about the other day, their other Quadrant 1 win is at BYU because 20, they lost to BYU the other day. BYU's RPI went up. 24 of 28 wins against Quadrant 3 and 4. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, that speaks, as you said, speaks to their schedule. Strength of schedule, 168. That's their entire schedule. Yeah. Not just non-conference. 168. Like, Nebra- like Nebraska shouldn't be in. 20 of their 22 wins are no. against bad teams. Like, they shouldn't be in. No. This isn't like a mid-major versus not thing. Like, play better. Like, obviously, if you're in a Power 5 conference, you have more opportunities. But play better teams, you'll have a better chance of making the tournament. All right, got to take another time out. Full lines remain open. 315-437-7644. Back after this.